we've gone into this series about uh, one of the values uh, here at the Gospel Tab is unbelievers. And obviously we don't value people being unbelievers. We value God's love and pursuit of unbelievers. And so um, two weeks ago, Kiara did an excellent job kicking us off talking about Zach. How did you say it? Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus? All right. Zacchaeus was a Anyway, so I know, I know. Just joking. All right, so, but I, I love Kiara's, I love, uh, I love Kiara's message that day, that Jesus comes to those who need him, that Jesus comes to those who are seeking him, and how he did that in the story of Zacchaeus. And then last week, I was at the other campus, but I did listen to Steve's sermon, um, talking about the title of this is the, the part that only God can do. And I think Steve was pointing out first, God has to do a work in us. Um, and then second, it's God's work to open the eyes of those who are in spiritual blindness. And God goes before. God, God works in us and he works in other people's lives to prepare us and them to receive the gospel. And then this week, I'm going to be sharing about prioritizing unbelievers. Okay, so I want to, I want to pray as we get started. Just continue in an attitude of this is we're, we're following the spirit this morning and then we're going to read the value in a second. But let's pray. Jesus, come. Um, we love you, Lord. We thank you for how you've imparted yourself to us this morning. God, would you keep doing that? Impart your heart to us this morning. Um, and we pray that your spirit would lead the rest of our time together and the rest of our day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, uh, Rashad, can you put the value up there? Um, this is the stated value. If you're ever to look at the uh, church website, you can see all of our values. But... Um, our, our value is this. God's posture toward our unbelieving neighbors is love and compassion. Every person has participated in rebellion against God. And our spiritual enemy has inflicted spiritual blindness on us all. I feel like we need to change this to God's love. Because we're talking about the spiritual enemy. Every time I read it, it's like, the enemy's love does not go first. God's love goes first in seeking us and drawing us back to himself. And then the next slide, and this is where we get started today. Oh, sorry, it's not yet. Jesus' death on the cross atoned for our sin so we could be restored to friendship with God. And here's where we're, we're going. Jesus' priority was seeking the lost, so ours is as well. In our structures and strategies, we without hesitation prioritize the lost over the found, the sick over the well. We go to where they are rather than expecting them to be attracted to us. All right, so I want to draw your attention to a scripture, probably well known if you want to turn in your Bibles or flip on your devices, it's Matthew chapter 18, verses 12 through 14. It'll be up here behind us. Probably something you guys are familiar with. You've sung songs about it. You've said it before if you've grown up in the church. Uh, but let's go ahead and flip to that um, slide there, Rashad. And Jesus is getting people here to, he, he starts with a question. He's, he's getting them to think. Um, and he says this. He says, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Common scripture, I, I imagine you've heard that phrase leaving the 99 to go after the one. We sing that uh, about Jesus in some of our songs. And 
I think it's right that we see Jesus here as the good shepherd who is prioritizing the one. And while, while I mentioned I, I had kind of had more prepared today, I want, there's a couple things I'm going to mention. But I think at the heart of what God wants um, to give us today is at the level of like motivation. Um, we talk about that word prioritizing unbelievers. I think priority is, rests at this heart level of like what's in our core, like what is the reason behind our behavior. And instead of going too far into the how and the what, I feel like we're going to get there in the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about persons of peace and hanging out with unbelievers like, um, and throwing parties and being good at all that. I think today we're starting with what's at our core um, and, our, and our why, really. So I want to introduce you to this little image. If, Rashad, if you can put up. It's called the Golden Circle, okay? I don't know if anybody's ever heard of the Golden Circle before, but the Golden Circle was, I guess, coined by this guy named Simon Sinek, and I've learned it in my work at the lab because as we are helping people understand how to run organizations and start organizations, we talk about the Golden Circle. And the way this works is Simon Sinek would say, he's like a business mind, a thinker, an innovator. He would say, a lot of people can tell you, and like think of this in terms of companies. A lot of companies can tell you what they do. Okay? They can say, oh, we make this product, or we sell this product, or you know, we do this. Uh, they may even be able to tell you how, the process behind how they do it. But he says not every company um, can tell you why they do what they do, but the good companies can tell you why they do what they do. And, they, and, and actually, that comes first. Like, why they do what they do comes before these other things. It's like, yeah. um, it, 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 it grounds them, it's a foundation. I think that is, that should be the same for us. Like, we should understand, I'm a, I'm a task-oriented person. I'm all, I live, like, out here and out here. But for me, I gotta keep going back to here. Like, why am I doing what I'm doing? So, as I jumped into this sermon prep, I thought, well, Jesus, I, I, it just started like coming to mind. And Jesus kind of was pretty explicit about some of this stuff, like why he came. So we're going to go rapid fire through some of these scriptures, Rashad. So follow along. These are some of the things that Jesus specifically said, I have come for this. So in John 6, verse 38, he says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Okay, so Jesus is like, I'm not here for myself. I'm here to do God's, my Father's will. All right, John 12, 46. I have come into the world as light. Sorry, that's an extra S. That whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So that's another reason he came into the world, as a light. Mark 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And he gave his life as a ransom for many. So another piece of the core is that he is coming to give his life. It's kind of like, I'm doing the will of my father. I'm serving. I'm not looking to be served. Um, a really famous one in Luke 19.5. Actually, I think this comes at the end of the Zacchaeus story. Even the Son of Man came. Oh, sorry. Next one. Luke 19, verse 5. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Okay. So, like, these are pretty foundational statements from Jesus. There's even one, I threw in one from Paul, that Paul says about Jesus in 1 Timothy 1.15, the last one here, Rashad. It's this, the saying is trustworthy, 
and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. So, Jesus, here's, you go back to that golden circle. You can put it up or you don't have to. It really doesn't matter because we're going to move on to other scripture in a second. Jesus had his why settled. Like, he knew what he came here for. He had it, like, if he went in, if Simon Sinek led Jesus through that tool, he'd be like, oh, I got you, man. Let me just tell you. Here, I've come as a light. I've come to seek and save the lost. I came to serve. Okay, all this stuff. And it caused me also to remember some of these stories from the life of Jesus, okay? So, if you think about some of these, you guys will remember these. Um, there's one, it's, it's, it's told in a few of the Gospels. You guys remember when Jesus was calling disciples, he called Levi, who we also know as Matthew. And who, what, who was Matthew? What was he? Anybody? He was a tax collector. Are tax collectors good or bad? No. They're scumbags, okay? They're terrible. No, they're, t- no, they're taking money from people. They're cheating people out of things. Nobody liked them. It's actually like synonymous with sinner, okay? So then Matthew's really happy, and what does he do? He throws a party, okay? All right, and so Jesus goes to Matthew's party. Who's at the party? Scumbags, all right? Just a bunch of awful people. And then, and then who gets mad at Jesus? Huh? The religious, the church. Church people get mad at Jesus for hanging out with the scumbags, okay? All right, and, and so then Jesus says this. This is on the screen, uh, Rashad, in Mark two seventeen. Jesus answers them. It's kind of funny because you're not even sure if Jesus heard them or if he just knows what they're like. <laughs> if you read the passage, he says, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. All right? So that's Jesus. Jesus is settled in his why. So because of that, he knows who he's here for. Okay? All right. So then think of this uh, story. This is just a little snippet in Mark chapter 9. Um, and actually... You can go to that uh, screen, um, Mark nine thirty six. I'll just tell you without having to pull it up. But this is just a little snippet at the end of Mark nine, where he's, Jesus is going around and he's healing all these people. He's casting out demons, and then it says this. It says, "When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd." And I also thought of the stories in Luke fifteen. Actually, the lost sheep shows up in Luke in chapter 15, and we have the story of the lost sheep. It's the three losts, if, you, if you're ever familiar with it. you got the lost sheep, which we already told from, from uh, Matthew. You have the lost coin about the woman who cleans her whole house to find that one lost coin. And then you have the lost son that we also call the prodigal son. And you, hear, you just hear in all of this, the heartbeat of Jesus is for the broken, mm-hmm. the sick, the sheep without a shepherd. So much so that he's willing to leave the 99 and go after the one. And so because of that, he prioritized the lost over the found. He spent his time going after those who knew that they needed something. So if you think back to that golden circle, I think in the life of Jesus, he was so intently settled on his heart for the lost and for those who needed the doctor, like he said, um, that his, his why completely impacted the, the how and the what of what he did, okay? 
Um, and here's where I had a whole other section of material. Okay, so I went through this morning. I deleted like two and a half pages of material this morning because I could tell you about the how and the what. Um, and I I think there's a there's a couple things I want to say about that, um, but. I want to come back to the why. Because I think that's what Jesus wants us to get this morning. Mm-hmm. And so, so on a level of like how we live our lives and what we do in regards to prioritizing um, unbelievers, there, I, had, I had two points that started with the letter I. Okay, It wasn't a three-part. It was just two-part. But they did start with the same letter. So I get some sort of credit. Yeah, credit. All right? So, so my, t- my two words were identity, okay, and intentionality, okay? And, and so I, I was going to share about how we have to understand our identity as missionaries, okay? Like, and I think that's important. Like, so I'm, 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 I'm giving you a snippet, okay? I think it's important that we understand that if Jesus came to seek and save the lost and we're following Jesus then we are here to seek and to save the lost, okay? And we should live our life like, how can I be around people that don't know Jesus? And when I'm around those people, how do I talk? And what do I say? You know, all that kind of stuff. And then there's this level of, the other I word was intentionality. And the thought here was, you know what? Life gets really crowded sometimes. I don't know, does anybody else have a crowded, busy life? Yeah. And there, I had all these questions like, there may be things that we have to change about our calendar mm-hmm. and structure our life to actually put ourselves around unbelievers. Mm-hmm. Like the church is really good at sucking up all your time. Mm-hmm. And we're really good about hanging out with people we like and we're like, but we're not always really good about making space for people we're not like or who don't believe the same things about us. Yeah. And so there's a level of like, we have to know our identity as missionaries. We have to be intentional with our lives. Yeah. But I'm going to let God talk about that in future weeks. Um, I, I'm hoping that he's going to come back to that. Because what I heard from Jesus last night was, before you can get to the how, you better focus on the why. Okay? And I felt God kind of speak this even, you know, even to me. Like, um, full confession, I feel like I'm somebody who can have the right answers. The right answers on the how and the what. Like, how do you start a missional community? How do you throw a party with unbelievers? How do you how do you do this or that? Like that's kind of my job at the lab is to help people like do some of that stuff. But I always have to keep coming back to um, this. This is what Jesus said to me: You can have all the right answers on how to reach unbelievers, but if you don't have love in your heart for Him, if your why does not include compassion. For the lost, then the right answers don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. The right answers aren't going to help you at all. Um, and um, I kept hearing, I, I heard the Lord saying in a, in a funny way this morning, what's that like that? I don't even know the rest of the song. Who do you love? And that's just like, that's just like part of the song. Who do you love? I feel like it's on commercials. Nobody knows that. <laughs> Nobody knows the whole song. If you do, extra credit, we'll find some candy, all that good stuff. <laughs> so I was just like, like I heard the Lord saying that to me. Like, who do you love? Who do you love? Like, obviously, we love our families. We love our family, spiritual family on mission. But are there people in my life 
that I really love who don't know Jesus yet? Are there people in my life who, like I have, I just feel like this burden for? Like I have, I, I don't know, I had a friend growing up who, he was like my best friend. His, his dad um, was on staff at my dad's church. They went, they planted a, uh, another church. We were best friends, you know, all growing up. Well, then in college, he like, he, he totally like abandoned the faith and walked away from Jesus. And I can remember for years and years just praying for my friend, Dan. Like, um, and you know, I, we, he kind of cut off, like we didn't, we lost touch. And like, I think about that as a story. I thought about Kiara's story the other day about, or two weeks ago about her friend that just kept praying for her because she saw you one time come into that gathering and how much like those prayers probably meant to like who you are today. And like, I just felt the conviction of the Lord. Like, I think, I think we can get, we can feel a lot of guilt in the how and the what. Like, we can, we can feel like we have to do all these things. We have to reach somebody. We have to tell people about Jesus. We have to, um, you know, do X, Y, and Z. Uh, but that's the wrong kind of guilt. Like, I feel like the right kind of like God's conviction this morning is on this word of, you know, am, am I willing to leave the 99 and go after the one? Who is the one in my life? Who are the people that God has put a love in my heart for um, that God wants me, um, that God wants me to be intentional with in my life? And I love, this is really going to be short because here's what I think. I think this morning, I, I am the worst at preaching you into feeling something, okay? I am a teacher by trade, okay? Not by trade, not by actual job. But by, by five-fold gifting, I'm a teacher. There are other people who could come up here and get you to feeling like, oh yeah, I need to do that. I can't do that, okay? So in, in a minute, what I felt like God was saying was, we're just going to pray for God to impart some of his like, love and compassion to us. And, and the testimony will be like in how you guys walk out of here with love for other people. Okay? Um, so, but I loved Beatrice in that, in that little clip. And this is where I'm coming back to Beatrice. Because she said, I don't know, like what, I don't know what stuck out to you. What stuck out to me was at the beginning uh, before her little, right before her Zoom comment, which I think we all laughed at, she said, I got on my knees. And I said, Lord, how am I going to reach your people? Like, I just hear in that her heart. Um, and I don't think she meant just your people as in Christians. Like, I think she meant your sheep that may be wandering off, your people that, they may be, they may be Christians. She's, she was strengthening, uh, there was, there was 100 people on that video. They were probably mostly Christians. But 15 people came to know Jesus Amen. through that through that lady's heart. And I felt like that question is a question from a place of love for the lost. So, this morning, Jake, do you mind um, coming up and playing just a second? It's not about right answers. Um, I feel like we'll get to some more of the other things like how and what we do and, and how we do things. But um, it's about 
like motivations and asking Jesus to impart to us his heart. And, and, and honestly, like, who are the people? Who are the people in my life that I, it's not that I need to feel obliged. It's, you know, borrowing from the cafe. It's like we get to, we get to, we don't have to, but we, we sincerely love these people. And as much as I think there's something in our, in there's something, and I think Jesus was doing some of this this morning. There is, there is all of this, like, we love to taste and see the goodness of God, you know? Like, we love to experience God's heart um, for his people in places of worship. Um, and I think Kiara said this a couple weeks ago. I didn't review your sermon, so I could be saying it wrong. But I think there was something about, like, if we have tasted the goodness of the Lord, mm-hmm. like, that's the place. We just, we want other people to taste the goodness mm-hmm. of the Lord. If we've tasted of living water, we want other people to. If we've, if we've felt like we've found like abundant life, then that's the motivation that we want other people to, to experience that abundant life as well. Um, so I just asked Henry, who was closing the service, if he would come up. And, and I just want to ask you this. In a second, I just want to invite you. If you feel like you want, this is one of those general altar calls. You don't have to feel any type of way. You don't have to do anything. But if you, if you, if you want to respond to this, I just want to ask you to stand up and to like just open your hands. And I want Henry to pray into um, just imparting God's heart of love. Sorry, I said it in a second, but <laughs> just, so Henry, Henry, come on up. I just want. Yeah. So, so. I just, I just want Jesus to impart his heart to us. And, and it was cool because I mentioned this to Henry. And Henry shared about his nephew who he's really burdened for. And, and I think just pray out of that place. Pray out of that burden. Um, and then maybe we'll have prayer ministers if you want to keep praying or if you just want to sit with Jesus and receive his heart. I think that's all. I think that's what Jesus wants to do today is to enlarge our heart um, and fill us with love for people that don't yet know. And before I pray, as John was talking, it it brought back to mind to me a a mission trip that I took to Dominican Republic and encountered a man who was, a couple of us went up this hill and he was cleaning his motorcycle and, and he seemed, you know, we started talking to him and he seemed disinterested in the gospel. And I, um, foolishly, um, said something to him basically like, you know, I'm, I'm going to pray that, that God doesn't give you any peace until you come to know Jesus. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was probably six or seven years ago and, and it still haunts me that, that uh, I haven't got back. I don't, I don't know where that man is. And, and fortunately, a, fr- a friend who was with me he kneeled down and started helping him clean his motorcycle. Um, you know, our best intentions, our best plans for people won't do anything unless we have the heart of Jesus for the people. Yeah. And see them not as a, 
as a challenge, and, well, this is how we're going to drive the gospel to them, but to, to see God's heart for them. So, let's pray. Father, you are good, and your, your mercy is, is so good, and I, Lord, I pray for that man that would be encountered by somebody who shares your heart with him before it's eternally too late for him. But Father, I pray for my, myself and for my brothers and sisters that, that we would meet with you and allow your heart to pour into our heart and that that overflow of your love, your compassion that moved you so many times this is recorded in the scriptures and so many thousands more times than we ever was ever recorded lord but jesus you you were moved with compassion that was your why and father we can't be that without you so lord impart to us yes your love yes in jesus name take a second to be with the Lord. Jesus, we just receive your heart. Yes. I'll dismiss us in just a moment, but let's just let's just wait on the Lord, Lord. We wait for you. Holy Spirit, come.
this from Psalm 139, and I want to read it from the perspective of God's heart. We often read this because it's personal to ourselves, but I want to read this from God's heart to every image bearer, every person that he's created in his image. And then we'll be dismissed, and you can linger in prayer, you can come up to receive prayer, you can pray with others, however you want to respond. But but I just want the Lord to continue to impart this to us. Lord, you are the one that created every single person. You knit them together in their mother's womb. Their frame was not hidden from you. Even when they were made in a secret place, when they were woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw their unformed body. All the days ordained for them were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious are your thoughts about them, O God? How vast is the sum of them? Were we to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. How precious are your thoughts about every single image bearer, Jesus. How precious. Lord, you know the hairs on their head. You know every breath in their lungs. You know all their days like they're laid out before you. Fill us with love. Yes, Lord. Fill us with your heart, Jesus. We cannot do it. We don't have enough. But you are more than enough, Jesus. Impart your heart to us. Yes, Lord.